Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. This is The Edge with Jonathan Von Tobel and Matt Humans on VSIN, the sports betting network. All right, what's up? Welcome to any hump day version of The Edge, a good show as usual. Bruce Marshall is going to be with us in 30 minutes from now, editor of the Gold Sheet, handicapper extraordinaire. Get his thoughts on the upcoming weekend of college football. Got a lot of Major League Baseball, big slate in the NBA, too. Where to begin, Matt Humans? Where to begin? I would assume the World Series. Championship on the line, no? You know, I'm not fired up about the World Series. Nah, I, I was happy to see the Braves win last night, and uh, it's, it's good to see uh, the Braves overcome Charlie Morton's injury. He left with a fractured fibula in that game, and the Braves still win 6-2. Stays under the total of 8.5, and, a half, and uh, I guess you can look at Framber Valdez and say, let's call that start against the Red Sox an outlier. I said either he's going <laughs> to... Pits like he did against Boston, or that's going to be an outlier, and it turned out to be an outlier because he uh, was getting hit from the start last night, lasted only two innings, gave up five runs, yep. and the Astros ran a hole. Uh, but, of course, long way to go. So uh, if you still like the Astros in the series, you can get a much better series price at this point. Yeah, gave up that uh, solo shot to Soler right off the bat in the first, had trouble finding the strike zone consistently, and when he was finding the strike zone, the Braves' bats were finding the ball. So it wasn't going very well. Giving up a lot of hard contact at that, too. So you mentioned it. Uh, the final stretch there are two innings for him. So you get seven innings out of your bullpen now if you're the Houston Astros. And while you get a plus 150 price tag on them going forward, trouble is now you get Jose Urquidy, who's going to get the start for you with one postseason start under his belt. And that was one of two-thirds and five earned runs against the, the, the Boston Red Sox. That was not pretty. In Fenway. So. And uh, you've got, if you're the Braves, too, you're up 1-0 and you got your best pitcher, Max Free, and the lefty going tonight. So you feel great about your chances. Uh, you're gonna, you're not gonna feel so great though if Max Fried can't give you a two-zero lead uh, tonight because his starts were the ones I thought the Braves absolutely had to win in this series. Yep. So you see it right now. Uh, the dollar seventeen price tag on the Houston Astros total of nine, slightly shaded to the under here at the South Point at minus one fifteen. Uh, across the board, you're pretty much sitting the, sp- the same spot. Uh, Tony Miller over at the Golden Nugget, the high price on the board in front of me at minus one twenty on the Houston Astros. $1.21 over at the win as well. So you're floating around that same price tag here. It wouldn't be surprising to see the market support Houston in a bounce-back spot. But uh, the way Urquidy has played, I feel like if you're going to think the Astros have a shot at bouncing back in this series, this might be a higher-scoring affair here tonight because I don't know if I trust mm-hmm. Urquidy to maybe go out there and give you five or six like you're really hoping for. Yeah, I would lean over the total as well tonight, total of nine. But again, 
Uh, I'm not going to bet this game tonight. Yeah. Let's talk football. Okay. Well, you texted me earlier today, and uh, this is definitely worth talking about because we do have some numbers on the move in the National Football League. And some of these are due to injuries. Some of these are just due to action. Uh, but let's start with a game that you and I are both on, uh, something that we've discussed at length, and something I mentioned yesterday, which was, at that, don't be surprised by the time we get to Sunday if the Indianapolis Colts are your favorite in this game against the Tennessee well, Titans. we're not at Sunday yet, and the Colts are the favorites <laughs> against the Titans. Which yeah. they should be. Indy minus one with a total of 50 and a half, you know, as they did on social media yesterday I tweeted out Indy plus one and a half at home lol uh, that should not be the number mm-hmm. clearly a market overreaction to the Tennessee Titans who by the way remember were two weeks three weeks separated from them losing to the Jets um, going get wins over the Buffalo Bills yeah. and the tennis or excuse me the uh, Kansas City Chiefs but this is the right move your look ahead here was Indianapolis minus two and a half anyway we've talked about it right look ahead lines aren't necessarily the tightest but look ahead lines at times are generally your openers for the following week unless something dramatic happens mm-hmm. right case in point there's to Cardinals Green Bay Packers this week. Look ahead was three and a half. Reopen three and a half of the COVID issues blow that line out of whack. So to have an adjustment toward Tennessee against a Colts team that has won three out of four and covered four straight, it seems like a pretty strong overreaction given to recent results. Yeah, these teams met in week three. Titans won that game 25-16, but the Colts are a much different team now than they were in week three. And I think the key is you got to get that offensive line healthy, and they have. And the Colts are a physical running team when they have a healthy offensive line. You saw it. Uh, Sunday night and the way they punished uh, the 49ers up front. Right now, the South Point's still a pick on this game. Treasure Island is at Tennessee minus one. Every other book in town and, and uh, out of town, including DraftKings, is at Colts minus one. So the favorites flip-flopped in this game. When we did the opening line show Sunday night, it was Colts as high as minus two and a half. Mm-hmm. And it moves to Titans minus one and a half. Now, we'll call it consensus back to Colts minus one. I believe the Colts uh, should be the favorites. I was happy to take one and a half with the Colts. I probably should have put them on a teaser as well at plus seven and a half yesterday when I had the opportunity. I did not do that. I've just got the Colts plus one and a half in this game uh, right now. And if Carson Wentz avoids turnovers, I think the uh, Colts are going to be in good shape. Their running attack is really impressive, but I don't think many people realize right now Jonathan Taylor is a number two rusher in the NFL. He's got 252 yards on 32 carries in the last two games. Yep, this offense has been explosive. Uh, they're getting more big plays out of their offense too, right? It's not just the running game. Uh, shots downfield, as we saw, right? He yep. actually hit Michael Pittman. Carson Wentz did in that game against the San Francisco 49ers in the driving rain, so that was a pretty good sign. And this team still sitting around plus 325 to win the AFC South, something you and I both have said that this they're very live to do, and the road toward doing that that starts this Sunday in this second matchup with the Tennessee Titans. And, you know, it was brought up to me on Twitter, too, like, hey, well, didn't this Colts team lose by about nine, uh, with nine, 11 points or whatever it was to the Tennessee 25, Titans? 25-16. Yeah, 25-16, nine points. Uh, and, yes, while they did, you have to realize where the Colts were at at that point of the year, right? They were, Two they starting, were not in a good spot. No, they weren't. Two starting offensive linemen were not playing. T.Y. Right. Hilton was not playing. Carson Wentz was just off of that ankle injury or the double ankle injury that sure. he suffered against the Los Angeles Rams. This is a different Colts team, and uh, the market has been sleeping on them for the last four weeks, and they were at least again at the beginning of the week here. So you get the Titans now looking like they're going to be the plus one underdog in that spot. Let's go to another afternoon. Let's go to an afternoon game. This one's going to take place on the West Coast. The Chargers up to a six-point favorite with a total of 49, pretty much painted across the board. There's a lone 49 and a half out there on the screen. But this is another situation where, you know what, I like the underdog here with the New England Patriots. And I will take mm-hmm. you back, Matt Humans, to one week ago today where we talked about the Los Angeles Chargers and do the numbers. There was a lot of 28s, 29s, 30s, and 32s on that graph that we talked about the Los Angeles Chargers run defense. It is not good. I got a 32 for you. Okay. Uh, the Chargers are last in the league in run defense, allowing 162.5 yards per game. Yep. That's why I think a lot of people handicapping this matchup are ignoring how bad the Chargers run defense is and the fact that Damian Harris and the Patriots are really running the ball effectively uh, right now, you don't think Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels are aware of that? They're going to take advantage and try to exploit that matchup uh, this week. Mac Jones completing 70% of his passes. Uh, Patriots off a 54-point performance. Yeah, I understand. I was against the Jets. Chargers are not the Jets. Chargers run defense is worse than the Jets run defense. And that's why I like the Pats in this spot. I think uh, the public's a little caught up in Justin Herbert and the perception of the Chargers. Again, I think sometimes a bye week could be a negative. Chargers coming off a bye. Uh, Patriots on a roll, feeling pretty good about the way they played offensively and defensively a week ago. So like I said yesterday, I put the Patriots up as the best bet. I thought this line might move to six, and it has this morning. So Patriots plus six is going to be the play. I don't think it goes any higher. 
Yeah, and if you look at this from a couple of perspectives, and you mentioned like the basic numbers, right? Yards per game on the ground allowed 162.5. Rush yards per attempt allowed for the Chargers, 5.4. Dead last in the National Football League. By Football Outsiders metrics, their adjusted line yards metric, uh, given up 4.94 per carry, that's 29th. And we can go on and on mm-hmm. about how bad this team has been. How about second-level yards per carry, 10 or more yards, 29th in the National Football League, one and a half. So like, you're not only just bad against a run, right. you're giving up plays that are going into the second level, you're giving up chunk plays on the ground, and that, of course, opens up a pretty big play-action passing game for another team. By the way, you see the numbers there. Patriots, I know you and I both have them to make the playoffs this year, now up to plus 350. Again, kind of like the Colts, right? If you're going to start to make your way toward that goal, <laughs> uh, this is a game that you got to take. Yeah, I would love to see the Patriots reel off a little win streak here. I've gone over the season win total of 8.5 and and 9. I'm not sure if they can get over 9 at this point, but I need to get them at least over 8.5 and and push on that 9. And there's a chance they could go on a little run here in the second half. But they had the weakest schedule in the league, uh, by my numbers, in the first seven weeks. They had five home games and two road games, and the road games were against the Jets and the Texans. Mm -hmm. And they did not take advantage of that. They're 3 and 4. But they can make up for that if they can get a win over a team like the Chargers on the road. So I want to say one of these games, it's the Sunday night game for Do the Numbers because there's a couple more things I'm going to add to to this game and Do the Numbers, right? But there's one more game that we should discuss here, of course, and that would be another line move as, and this is working in my favor. Some ugly dogs out there, and I'm in on this. Well, actually, it's a different animal, though. The Chicago Bears catching four Mm -hmm. now against the San Francisco 49ers. It's going to be the rare game where you and I are on opposite sides. Oh, man. So you know, I threw in the towel on the Bears on you, you did, you I did. did. Wait, so okay. you threw in the towel to the point where now you're just going to play against them? Yeah, I'm going to fade the Bears. Okay, yeah. all right. Khalil Mack is uh, quitting on the Bears, too, by the way. Did you see that? Uh, what do you mean? No, I Khalil didn't see Khalil Mack this. has a foot injury, and uh, he is not going to play this week, and he might go on IR. I was watching Mack the last oh, yeah. couple weeks, and he's been on the injured report. And when the Bears are getting pounded, I said, well, I think it's only a matter of time before Khalil Mack quits on this team. Uh, he's going to make $22 million this year regardless if he's on the field every week or not. And guess what? He's not going to be on the field this week. That's part of the reason this number's ticked up from three to three and a half to four today. Also, I think the 49ers are in a, a desperation spot. They just still feel like they're a team with uh, uh, legitimate playoff hopes. The Bears are not. The Bears are a lost cause. They're waiting for Coach Matt Nagy to get fired. Justin Fields has two touchdown passes. He's been sacked 20 times in the last five games. I'm fading the Bears. I refuse to back down. I think Chicago, look, so there, there's a couple of things too, right? Khalil Mack, uh, see you later. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Career low in terms of a PFF grade. Tackling grade, career low as well so far this year. Uh, he has not been the, the he best. He wasn't that good last year. Yeah. I, I've said that about Khalil Mack the last couple of years. He, he's one of the most overrated defensive players in the NFL. And when the Raiders made that trade for two first-round picks, I said I liked to trade for the Raiders at the time. The problem is the Raiders didn't make the most of those two first-round picks. But I think it was a smart trade. Yes. Now, the thing that's going to kill me here, uh, if indeed the Bears do not cover this game and it starts to look ugly, is yet again a pass rush that is going to just dominate an offensive line that has not been good up to this point right now. And you have seen the ability for that to do so, right? The Colts uh, gave up some pretty big pressures to Carson Wentz in that game in the rain on Sunday night. So that's probably going to be the case here. But... This is a San Francisco team that's failed to cover four consecutive games, is it now? And now they're a road hey, favorite. The, the Niners have not won a home game in more than a year. Yeah. But is this is at Soldier Field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a so different spot. They're better off on the road, I think, in this spot. And uh, this is a get-right game against the Bears. All right, so on the other side, we're going to do the numbers. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Vikings' spot against the Dallas Cowboys. So, you know, we're going to expand a little bit on how good this Vikings defense really has been at multiple levels. And also... I'm going to kind of make the case that Tua Tungavailoa is actually maybe not that bad. We're going to talk about that on the other side. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. 
Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. This is The Edge on VSIN, the sports betting network. Make this football season your best sports betting season ever. Start your VSIN free trial today to get full access to our sports betting experts, including 24 7 video streams, daily best bet emails, betting splits with the money you take in percentages on every game, plus full access to VSIN.com data and analysis. You get everything VSIN has to offer for only 22 bucks a month. Sign up now at VSIN.com slash subscribe. Okay, good cover today. This uh, Point Spread Weekly Edition. It's a good issue. Joe Burrow and the Bengals on the rise. They're pretty good, man. Statistically, they're checking a lot of boxes. Might have to go uh, revisit that in terms of a big-picture type of deal with the Cincinnati Bengals. I didn't think they were going to be this good, but you know me and my numbers. Well, I think the biggest surprise about the Bengals has been their defense. Yes. We knew Joe Burrow had the potential to be pretty good. You talked about yesterday one of the numbers uh, about Joe Burrow. He's been the best against pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Against the blitz. Against the blitz. blitz. Under pressure has not been the same, but against the blitz, he has picked opponents apart, which is what he did to the Baltimore Ravens. And speaking of numbers, let's do them. analytics are overrated? I don't give a damn what the analytics say. Sick of hearing about numbers? And analytics don't, don't work, work at all. Work. Too bad. Jonathan Von Tobel does the numbers on the edge. Get those nerds! By the way, so the the inspiration behind this, right, was Packers play-by-play legend here at the beginning, uh, Wayne Larrabee, who came on to the show, and I think this is very fitting because you send in numbers that set this whole thing up. Because we had him on in a game, it was a Monday night game against the Atlanta Falcons, in which Devontae Adams was not available. That's right. For the Green Bay Packers. And so I dared broach the topic of, hey man, like what do the Green Bay Packers like look like without Devontae Adams? How bad is this going to get? He rattled off some numbers and told me to do the numbers in that kind of sarcastic tone. And we have more numbers about this because Devontae Adams looks like he's not going to be available, as is Alan Lazard potentially. Yeah, and that's uh, that's trouble for the Packers, you would think. But I, I saw this tweet today from Joe Osborne. And uh, Devontae Adams missed two games last season. In those two games, the Packers scored 67 points. Aaron Rodgers had 610 yards passing with seven touchdowns. Alan Lazard also missed one of those games. Yep. So, do the numbers. Maybe the Packers not in as big a trouble as a lot of people think. I think so. I think it kind of helps when you have a really good quarterback, too, right? That's probably part of the equation. All right, with that, speaking of good quarterbacks, we're going to get to a really good quarterback here. Maybe the third best quarterback in the National Football League. But I wanted to talk a little bit about the Minnesota Vikings and to kind of build on what we talked about last week, right? Because I brought up in passing really quickly, threw out some numbers for you, that the Minnesota Vikings, I think you talk about checking the boxes for the Bengals. I thought they checked a lot of boxes for a team that was a value play of 30-1 to to win the NFC. I also think they're an undervalued team here in this spot Sunday. 
against the Dallas Cowboys. I do too. And I think what's really interesting about Minnesota, apart from Kirk Cousins, which we'll get to, is one of the storylines for Minnesota coming into this year, humans, was they revamped the defense, right? A bunch of guys that are back under the fold under Mike Zimmer, who are used to playing in this defense. A lot of those young guys that played last year are not really starting. I think it was, what, 10 of 11 starters or 9 of 11 starters uh, were actually not starting week one for the Minnesota Vikings. It's starting to pay dividends now. If you look at Minnesota up to this point, in terms of EPA per play defensively, are sixth in the National Football League. DVOA, by Football Outsiders metric, they're also sixth best in the National Football League. And according to PFF's grading system, they're the seventh best overall defense in the NFL. But if you want to look at it a little bit deeper, one of the things that they have been great at is rushing the passer. This is the best pass rushing unit in the NFL. If you look at pressure at this point right now, pressuring opposing quarterbacks on 32.1% of opponent dropbacks, and they are first in the National Football League in sacks with 21. Like, this is a defense that I think fits the profile of a unit that you want at this point, which is, it's not even so much because they're not great against the run. They're middle of the pack in terms of their run defense at this point right now. Nowhere near as bad as the Chargers. Mm -hmm. But... They're an insanely good defense statistically if you look at the analytics, and they are a great pass rushing team. And I think in 2021, that's the kind of defense that you want. Case in point, you go to that Carolina Panthers game, they just pick apart Carolina. They pressured uh, Sam Darnold on 38% of his dropbacks. Like, it was incredible. So I think from a defensive standpoint, if we're talking about catching points at home, this is the defense I think you kind of want against an offense like the Dallas Cowboys, especially if Dak Prescott is a little bit gimpy on that calf, which we have discussed, right, and is now in the headlines. Yeah, and I think that's more of why the line moved today from uh, yep. Cowboys 2.5 to 1.5 or 2 is uh, the news about Dak, Dak Prescott uh, being gimpy on the calf. It's it's not people looking at these Minnesota defensive numbers and saying, hey, Vikings are better than we thought they were. Uh, I think the Vikings defense is legit. This is what we were hoping to see from this defense when we bet the Vikings to win the NFC North over the summer. We were also hoping Aaron Rodgers was not going to return to Green Bay, but that didn't happen. Uh, I think there's been a lot of talk, too, about the Dallas defense and how improved it is. Yep. A lot of mediocre numbers on that Dallas defense. It's basically been Trevon Diggs forcing turnovers, coming up with picks. And I think uh, Micah Parsons made that defense a little bit better, too. But Dallas's defense is mostly mediocre. This Minnesota defense has some standout characteristics and I think is going to put a lot of pressure on Dak Prescott, which he has not faced many times this season. Yep, and so then we get to the other side of this, which again paints the larger picture for the Minnesota Vikings, but also more about, again, here to this coming Sunday against the defense, like you said, is you know somewhat susceptible to, I think, extremely good offenses. I, I think you get this reference. Captain Kirk, right? You were a big Star Trek fan. No, I hate Star day. Trek, but I get the reference. <laughs> so Kirk Cousins has been absolutely tremendous. Uh, the third best quarterback by PFF grade at this point right now in the NFL season, 89.9. His adjusted completion percentage, which is literally just pure accuracy. Uh-huh. It's not completions. It's how accurate the balls he throws are. 83.5% that is best in the National Football League. Takes care of the ball at a really high rate. Turnover-worthy play rate tied for third best in the National Football League. A turnover-worthy play on just 1.5% of his dropbacks so far. And his interception rate second best in the NFL at 0.8%. So he's not going to put the ball in harm's way. By the way, this is something I've also mentioned before with Kirk. Intermediate throws, 10 to 19 yards downfield. The best quarterback in the NFL. Mm -hmm. He has been absolutely great. So this isn't about, because I know, like, I got this immediately, which was, oh, it's a Kirk Cousins-led team, I'm out. But, like, if I were to just take, like, away Kirk Cousins, right, if I just removed his picture right there and told you, there's this defense and this quarterback, do you think this is a pretty good team? I think 99 out of 100 times people are saying yes. Yeah, of course. Uh, You know, Dak Prescott's been a great story because of his comeback from injuries and uh, how well the Cowboys have played, but Kirk Cousins and Prescott have almost similar numbers in uh, most categories, so... I think a lot of people have overlooked how well Cousins have played and uh, how much this defense has improved, basically because the Vikings are a 3-3 three and three team. Yep. But that's the type of team I'm looking to bet, too, where I think there's some upside, and you're catching the Vikings as home dogs in a spot where the Cowboys are off a bye and on the road. And uh, like i said many times, I think uh, a team that rolls into the bye gets its rhythm disrupted, and I like to spy for the Vikings for a lot of reasons. And these numbers you point out help make the case. So with that, let's go to a team that is a double-digit underdog. And actually, we saw I thought I saw some 14s and 14 and a half this morning, but we're down to 13 in favor of Buffalo over the Miami Dolphins. And I I have not eliminated the Dolphins yet in uh, right in terms of maybe using them as a contest play this weekend. We'll see what the number is going to be and all that. But I wanted to point this out about Tua Tungvalu because I was watching him very closely. Right, had the Dolphins at a teaser over the weekend and had two pretty I thought two pretty bad turnovers. The first one in the end zone. We can have a conversation about the route the tight end ran, all that kind of stuff, and maybe it wasn't that bad. 
officially charged in that game with just one turnover-worthy play, which was the important one after his team forces a turnover. These are his last two weeks since coming back from injury. He's actually the fourth-highest-graded quarterback in the NFL over the last two weeks. Again, it's a short sample size, but if you look at what he's been able to do, six touchdowns, an adjusted completion percentage of 82.1%, which is sixth best in the NFL, but, and I included the negative, don't worry, the turnover-worthy play rate of 3.1% is pretty bad, right? That's the 18th-best mark over the last two weeks. That has got to improve. Mm -hmm. But if you're talking about an offense, which is not asking him to do that much, to keep everything in front of him, if you go back to last week against the Atlanta Falcons, for example, he turns the ball over, the Falcons score, he comes right back and leads him right down field, was perfect on the drive, converted the third down on a run, and led him into the end zone. It's not that Tua is the worst quarterback in the world. And I think that maybe sometimes, even myself, I'm guilty of it, you kind of get wrapped up in all the noise around it as opposed to looking at it as a quarterback. I don't think he's the fourth best quarterback in the NFL, but I think this kind of shows you that he's definitely not as poor as you would think if you were to just listen to the noise around him. Oh, I've, I've said that for the past few weeks, too. I don't think he's, he's playing as poorly as uh, he's perceived to be playing. Because a lot of people love to rip on Tua, and uh, some people at this network rip on Tua on a on a regular basis. But you know, also I think when you take these look at these numbers, you have to take into account they did face the Jaguars and the Falcons. Right. It's not two elite defenses the last two weeks. I think Tua is playing better than perception. Yes, he's got some problems. He's turning the ball over too much. But what I think what jumps out of here is the Dolphins were a ten-win team last season. Their defense, I think, has dropped off the most. Yep. And now they're 14-point underdogs at Buffalo. 14? That's the number right here at the South Point today. Yep. And, and look. Is that too much? It, it seems to me like that's why I haven't eliminated it. If you're talking about full, two full touchdowns, like it, it might be on the surface. And look, you're talking about taking on a Bills defense that is second in defensive average depth of target. They're first in air yards allowed, first in yards after catch. They have been really good against bad offenses. So it's going to be a, you know, a mountain to climb. But the point spread is a great equalizer. And if you're talking about what two is able to do in terms of at least if he's not committing those turnover-worthy plays, you know, the highs are like pretty above average. Mm -hmm. It's just you got to cut those out. And that's the question I think you have to ask yourself here. But I would not – again, I'm not going to throw out the Dolphins quite yet this week. I think that's the case I'm trying to make here. Yeah, I, I thought the Dolphins were going to be playable if the number got to 14. It's actually there today at the South Point. So that's one I might take a look at too. I, I, I agree with what you said about Tua. All right, on the other side, Bruce Marshall, editor of the Gold Sheet, is going to be with us. We'll get his thoughts on the college football weekend. Bruce, he's got a big slate here. He's got a lot going on, including the matchup for Florida State and Clemson. Find out what he thinks about Ole Miss and Auburn and just some of the other bigger matchups in college football as well. See you guys here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is The Edge on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Hey, welcome back. This segment of The Edge is presented by Zen Nicotine Pouches. Zen is working to create a world where you can enjoy life on your own terms. Zen Nicotine Pouches are a smoke-free, spit-free, and hassle-free tobacco alternative that can be enjoyed on the go anywhere and anytime. Available in 10 varieties, including spearmint, coffee, citrus, and wintergreen. Zen can be found at convenience stores nationwide, so you can find your Zen wherever you happen to be. Zen's nicotine pouches are clean and discreet with no lingering smell. Plus, it's easy to use indoors or out, making it the perfect complement to your everyday. Also, Zen comes in two strengths, so you have control over your nicotine satisfaction. Zen contains nicotine and is only for adult nicotine consumers 21 or older. Learn more and find your local retailer at Zen.com. Again, that's Z-Y-N.com. And warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. JVT, I have a question for you on tomorrow's show. If you answer it correctly, you get a free can of Zen nicotine pouches. Okay, all right. I'm really excited for this. Do I get a hint at least the category of the question? Uh, no, no okay. hints. All right, all right, going blind. Surprise tomorrow. Uh, let's welcome in Bruce Marshall, editor of the Gold Sheet. Uh, nice to have to find some time after a, a jaunt around Europe across the pond. Bruce? Good to talk to you. Haven't spoken for a while. Hope the trip was well. We don't have a lot of time, though, so let's dive right into the card. And I wanted to start at the top uh, of your list here because I'm really intrigued about the spot for both Miami and Pitt, two teams coming off of uh, some highs and now facing one another. Pitt a nine-and-a-half-point favorite now across the board with a total of 61, sir. Yeah, uh, JVT, nice to be back here. Um, I'm wondering if the, if the marketplace is uh, buying a little bit too much here on Pittsburgh. They're the new darling here, and we know what's going on. Kenny Pickett's putting up numbers we haven't seen at Pitt since Dan Marino 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. 
talking about the first Heisman winner since Tony Dorsett, maybe 45 years ago. And uh, they're rolling pretty good. However, uh, don't sleep on Miami here. I think they're circling the wagons for Manny Diaz. Uh, they could have won that game against Virginia a couple of weeks ago. They could have won the game up at North Carolina. They did beat NC State. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke looks every bit as good as Derek King did to me. In fact, he's getting better every week. Great four TD passes against the Wolfpack last week. And uh, they have, by the way, beaten Pitt three straight times. So I think there's a little bit too much of a reaction here to Pitt in this spread. Miami's got a chance to go up there and steal this one, if not play Pitt very, very close. Yeah, Pitt's 6-1 and one with that one loss to Western Michigan in the middle of September. Uh, Bruce, how about Florida State-Clemson? Interesting matchup here because uh, Florida State struggling, similar uh, to Miami, maybe worse. But I had that big win at North Carolina as a dog a couple of weeks ago. Now Florida State catching 9.5 at Clemson. Yeah, I, uh, I don't even think Jen Psaki could spin – something positive out of Clemson's offense here. I mean, this is bad. Um, And we're at this stage of the season. We're pushing Halloween now, and nothing's gotten better uh, this season for Clemson. So I think it's pretty safe to say it ain't going to get better this season. They can't protect DJ, um, and they can't run. Uh, Dabo had to even pull DJ uh, last time out against Pitt. Defense is fine, I know, but the offense is not. I mean, they're down there with Rice and Bowling Green in the national stats. I actually think Florida State can go in here and, and, and steal one. They haven't beaten Clemson since 2014. They have won three in a row. This is the first time they've really stirred since Mike Norvell has been there. Jordan Travis is putting up some interesting stats at quarterback. They seem to be uh, uh, responding to him. And the bigger thing here is Clemson this year, 0-7 against the spread. Go back to the Sugar Bowl, 0-8. That's the longest spread uh, slump in the country. Well, they're fighting with Missouri. No, Missouri's actually got 10 straight. Uh, But uh, eight in a row L's uh, spread-wise. I'm not laying it with Clemson. I think Florida State can win this thing, certainly plus the points take the Seminoles. Bruce Marshall with us. All right, let's go to another matchup. Let's go to the SEC here, Auburn and Ole Miss. Uh, Auburn opens up one, it looks like now, up to two and a half across the board with a total of 66 and a half here, Bruce. Yeah, JVT, a little bit of a subdued effort from Ole Miss last week, but I actually think, and, you know, handily winning against LSU, I think it's kind of good, though, for Ole Miss to win a game like that, that they didn't doesn't have to be 48 to 38 or something like that. Some of the transfers now are helping out D.J. Durkin's defense a little bit more, so that was positive last week. Matt Corral is capable of putting up a lot more stats than he did last week. Um, and let's remember in this series, seven straight times the visiting team has covered. Very, very odd dynamics, point spread history in this series. The big question, obviously, whenever it comes to Auburn, is what's going to happen, which, which Bo Nix shows up. The good Nix actually showed up last year at Vaught-Hemingway when the Tigers won that game, but we know the pattern with him. He blows hot and cold. You have a much better feel with Corral, Matt Corral. And, oh, by the way, Corral this season, only one pick. Last year he had 14, in cup, cup, including a couple of bad ones in this game. I think Ole Miss goes in there and wins, and uh, we'll take Ole Miss uh, to win this thing outright at Jordan-Hare. All right, I'm going to keep it in the SEC here, Bruce, and I want to get your opinion on Georgia-Florida. This number 14, at some spots 14 and a half. We might see 15 by Saturday. Uh, what do you think Dan Mullen's going to do with his quarterbacks? And uh, do you like the dog, or are you scared to bet against the uh, Georgia Bulldogs at this point? And the total in the game is 51. More the latter, Matt. I am kind of scared to bet against them, although, you know, Florida, you know, personnel-wise figures, like, you know, this is a little better matchup against Georgia, which has just been able to overwhelm a lot of these teams lately. But look at the way they dismantled uh, Arkansas. Look at the way they dismantled Auburn, um, even Kentucky. Kentucky hung around for a while, but, I mean, none, none of them were even close. At this stage of the season, when you're getting past midseason and you're in this quarterback stuff that Dan Mullen is now, I'm not sure it's a positive. I'm not sure either of those guys like what's going on. Um, but um, it, it's that, that sort of uncertainty uh, and inconsistency that both those guys have shown, especially Emory Jones, um, that's a negative. This defense is so good for Kirby. We've talked about it before. Remember last year, though, this is the last game that Georgia lost was this game last year. Stetson Bennett. Uh, who, by the way, they don't miss JT Daniels. He might be ready. I think they're better off with Bennett. Bennett hurt his shoulder in this game last year, didn't play well. And on the, the, the TD pass 
to Jack Saint, who broke his leg on the TD pass. That kind of summed up last year's game for Georgia in the same play that uh, Bennett hurt his shoulder. Redemption for Bennett, redemption for Georgia, 32-13 in the cocktail party. That's our score forecast in the okay. gold sheet. All right. All right. I want to go to the uh, the ACC because I'm actually pretty interested in this spot for Wake Forest coming off of a wild game against Army, and now they take on a Duke team that's on a little bit of a slide here, getting blown up by Virginia last time out, Bruce. Uh, what do you make of this? Wake Forest up to a 17-point favorite with a total of 70. Yeah, it's getting a little rich, uh, but I think they've got a chance to do it. Uh, Wake Forest we're talking about, unbeaten. I think it's time we might start, a, start to put Sam Hartman at least in the others category in the Heisen uh, chat. I mean, he is... He is superb. Another five TD passes last week. Um, the defense for Wake, I'm not sure about, but I know Duke's got some problems right now. In fact, they got so many problems. I wouldn't be surprised if Kevin White, the AD, has that difficult discussion with David Cutcliffe sometime very, very soon. Uh, the thought was back there Cutcliffe could pick his departure date, but that's when Duke was going better. Uh, last year, it all unraveled for them. The same thing's happening this year. They're falling apart, especially on the defensive side. And, uh, by the way, Wake has won. They didn't play last year, but the two times before, Wake won uh, pretty handily. In fact, big a few years ago, 59-7. to Won't be that big, but big enough here. Uh, so uh, we had it uh, 41-17 in the gold sheet, so we're thinking Wake Forest. All right, Bruce Marshall, editor of the gold sheet with us. And, uh, Bruce, how about Texas Tech? Matt Wells out in Lubbock after that uh, come-from-ahead loss to K-State last week. Oklahoma now a 19-and-a-half, 20-point favorite over the Red Raiders in Norman, total of 67. Yeah, well, here's what we're hearing from Texas Tech. Kirby Hulkett, the AD, and he had seen enough of the mediocrity with Matt Wells, just thought it was going to be a never-ending cycle there and whatever else might have been going on, too. So he's out. Sonny Cumbie will get an audition. Uh, he would be a candidate for the job. Uh, he'll have a month, month-and-a-half here to prove himself. But the hot names there, Sonny Dykes, whose dad, Spike, coached at Texas Tech, uh, Jeff Trailer, UT San Antonio, those guys are going to be prominent, plus Cumbie if he does well enough for this job on a full-time basis. But how about this for Cumbie? His first uh, assignment here as the head coach, interim, is against Oklahoma, which has scored 346 points the last six games against Texas Tech. That's 58 per game. And that's about the average that Lincoln Riley did the last two years in this matchup against Wells. So it's and also 10 straight overs in this series. So it's been the highest scoring series in the country. It, it, that might be a little bit suppressed this year, but the total is 67. That's reachable for these teams in Oklahoma after sleepwalking the first half last week. Caleb Williams and company put it in uh, high gear in the second half against uh, Kansas. I mean, they do it again. 49-24 Oklahoma after sleepwalking last week. Uh, I think they bounced back. And you're never quite sure how teams are going to react midseason after a coaching change like that. Uh, there's a lot of negatives right now at Texas Tech. All right, Bruce, I'm going to read your column on Penn State on the heels of that 20-18 to 18 nine overtime loss to Illinois. Uh, I know you emailed that to me today. It's in the gold sheet this week. Hey, in the last 30 seconds, give us two more best bets you got in college football. Washington State, very interesting here. You're getting a lot of points against Arizona State. By the way, I don't know two people named Jaden, and you've got two guys named Jaden at quarterback. So I think that's kind of interesting here. But I'll take Washington State plus the points. And Terry Bowden plus almost four touchdowns against App State. ULM, take the Warhawks this week. Bruce Marshall, editor of the Gold Sheet. Bruce, good to talk to you, man. Thank you. Okay, guys. All right, we'll come back. We have best bets to recap from last night and to look ahead to this week, too. It's the Edge. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health, but by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, 
how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zikazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All oh, my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. This is The Edge on VSIN, the sports betting network. The Sports Betting National Championship is coming up November 5th through the 7th. VSIN will provide coverage from the main event all weekend long, including live on location updates. For all of the action, visit vcin.com slash SBNC for more information on how you can enter for a chance to test your skills and win cash, including the million-dollar top prize. Again, that's vcin.com slash SBNC for Sports Betting National Championship. Johnny Avello said you can show up at the venue in New Jersey and play, or you can play from eight other states. And if you live in Vegas, you'd want to drive down to Arizona or fly to Colorado uh, to play in this uh, tournament. Cool. Sounds like a lot of fun. Can't wait to keep track of it. Again, vcin.com slash SBNC. All right. So, best bets. Um, nothing to recap from yesterday in terms of football because there was no football. Neither of us had a wager in the World Series. So, we'll go to me with the NBA from last night. One play and a winner. Get right back on it, hopefully. Uh, Warriors Thunder, under 223.5 gets there. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure you watched this game, Matt Eumann. I did not. So, how about this? I was, I was sitting watching this game, and I was pissed because in the first quarter – the Thunder shoot 65.7% from the floor. <laughs> they go four or five from three. Like, they're hitting everything. And I'm like, wow, like this is really happening right now. I'm just going to get blown away here. Well, when you see something like that happen, too, you have to think there's going to be offensive regression coming. It's, it's either going to hit the Thunder in the second quarter or the second half. Yes, and it hit in the second quarter, and from there on, they, they fell apart. Uh, and the Warriors, luckily, actually got off to a really rocky start. Uh, they only, I think they had like 11 points through six minutes in the first quarter, so that really helped me out as well. Uh, ultimately, the, the Thunder started in the first quarter with an offensive rating of over 120, ended with an offensive rating of just over 90. So you saw how the rest of that game went. Warriors got their first lead with 45 seconds left in the third quarter. They eventually won, uh, but that game goes under the total by a good amount by the time you get to the end. So under 223.5, a win there. Uh, for tonight, we'll throw in two plays. Uh, one of these got the best of the number early this morning. It's up two points. Cavaliers Clippers over 217. It's up to 219 now. Uh, but this is it's a twofold thing, right? Obviously, one, uh, this is a Clippers team that is near the top of the league early on in terms of pace. They're getting up and down the floor. Uh, they're playing at an extremely high rate. Not going to be sustainable, about 105, 106 possessions all year long, uh, but they're doing it early, and they've been really good in the half court. You know, quietly last year, this was the fourth best half court offense in the NBA. They're picking up right where they left off this year. They're third best in the NBA. They're attacking the rim a little bit more. They'll be able to take advantage of the Cavaliers defense and the other side you know the Clippers have shown some cracks defensively their last time out they had eight steal or Paul George had eight steals alone they were great against the Trailblazers but the first two games was really shaky and this Cavs team has shown a little bit more punch on that end with wins over Atlanta and in Denver so I think this is a game just a little bit quicker pace and I think goes over the total to 217 so got a good number there hopefully that works out and then Kings plus eight against the Phoenix Suns so I wrote about this today in the notes which are up feaston.com slash JVT you can always go check them out 
But I think the Suns really do have some issues defensively. And it's not going to be as extreme as it is up to this point right now, but the three games, 116.4 defensive rating. They've allowed opponents to shoot 66% at the rim, 44% from deep. And to make matters worse, last year, one of the biggest issues for the Suns, they were dead last in transition defense. That is carried over to this year. They are 24th. They're giving up 141.5 points every 100 plays in the fast break. And this is a Kings team that is the ninth fastest team right now, the fourth most efficient team offensively in transition. They shoot a lot of threes, too, so I just think that this is one where we're still power rating Phoenix like the team they were a year ago. I just don't think that's the case. Campaign's still sidelined, so I think this is one where the Kings are going to be pretty live staying within an eight-point spread here. All right, you're going to bet on Batman. Luke Walton tonight. Huh? I am. Well, he treated me well in the uh, the one time that I double-dipped on them against Portland, right? <laughs> catch a five, catch a seven, so go back to the well here. So Kings catching the eight against the Phoenix Suns. All right, we have a couple more uh, NBA games to talk about here later. In this segment, I yeah. want to ask you about the Heat Nets game. We'll get to that in a minute. How about your NFL best bet? Yeah, I'll go through those quick. Patriots plus six against the Chargers. We broke that down earlier as we did Vikings plus two and a half. So those are the plays to add with the Vikings plus seven and a half, Colts plus seven and a half, six point teaser that I put in on Monday. Well, you got the Patriots plus six. Nice. Yes. I was waiting for that six, and I finally bet it today at six. So I put it up yesterday at five and a half. So I got the uh, Colts plus one and a half, good number. Patriots plus five and a half, not the best number. Vikings plus two and a half over the Cowboys, and that is, I believe, going to be the best number. We thought the, this uh, Cowboys-Vikings line might go to three, but it looks like that's not going to be the case with the uh, reports of Dak Prescott is uh, struggling with that calf injury. But still, I like the Vikings regardless. So we're going with Colts, Patriots, Vikings, three underdogs, wow. and uh, two home dogs. In week. fact, the Colts have now flipped two slight home favorites, though. Hope you have a good weekend. Do you you have two of the three or all three? Uh, I have all three. The, okay. the Colts I don't have plus one and a half. Have them on teaser though. But the other two Vikings okay. and Patriots were both on the same side. So great minds. That's right. Great minds. We are on the opposite side of the 49ers Bears game. We're gonna we'll have to use that. that. Yeah, we're gonna have to use that as best bets this week, just so we can go ahead and <laughs> just so we can have something there. Talk uh, about that one on Friday. Oh man! All right, we college football part. best bets. Oh, yeah. I didn't. I did not add anything today. Twenty nine and twenty three for the season. Michigan State plus four and a half. Over Michigan and Stanford minus two over Washington. I've put those up the past couple days, and I will have more. I've got on my short list right here, I've got 14 college football games. Those are the only two I have bet so far, but I'm, I'm going to play some more. You can be sure by, by tomorrow's show or by Friday's show. Wow, Vladimir Gutierrez just followed me on Twitter. Do you think it's the actual Vladimir Gutierrez? I don't think that's the case. Who's that? I don't know. I just got it. I was just had my screen up. All right, NBA. That was a bad joke. So you're interested in this Nets-Heat game, huh? I it's am, the best because, one on the board. Well, the Heat were my pick in the, the Visa and NBA betting guide to be the top seed in the East. I really believe this is going to be a good regular season team, probably a good playoff team as well. But the Heat, got a, it's a new-look Heat team this year. I think these guys are hungry, and uh, I'm not so sure about the Nets right now. By the way, James Harden's game might be impacted by the NBA officials not taking bait on all those bogus Attempts to draw fouls yeah. and pump fakes and stuff like that. How many, how many times has he gone to the line uh, so far this season? I've, I haven't updated it through the Wizards game. I think he went to the line a total of like three times through the first two games or Seems something like, like he, that. To maybe? me, he's not going to the free throw line like he was Oh, he's last not. Year. And that's, you know, not a, a complete reflection of uh, the change in how the games are going to be officiated. It's probably just him not being as aggressive and trying to drive to the rim and draw <laughs> fouls. He's attempted a total of 12 free throws. He went to the line three times only against the Wizards. So he has, not, he has yet to have a game. 11 of 12 for the season. That's usually a game for James Harden. So it is a, Typically. And, and I don't think he's also hasn't been pressing the action a lot too much either. I think part of it is his own fault to a certain extent. So I think this will start to even out a little bit for him. You know, it's not all, it's part of it, but I think part of it's his own game too. And I, look, I'm interested in this too, mainly from, think about this from the market's perspective, right? So the Nets lose on Sunday amidst protests for Kyrie's freedom. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, at the Barclays Center. So then they come back and play Washington on Monday. Market, as we talked about, right, just steadily moving towards Washington. Bradley Beal might play. Goes from 8.5 to 5.5. Nets, Nets win going away. And now we get another game here where you get the market, opens up at 5, 
no no other injury concerns, and now steadily moving toward the uh, to the heat to where now this is minus three and a half. And so I haven't, you know, I, this is one where maybe before tip off, uh, I'll come around and play the Brooklyn Nets. But I think this is a couple of things. One, you know, you don't know much about any of these teams three or four games in. But I also think we got to pump the brakes on maybe how good this Heat team is going to be because realize that after they blew up Milwaukee, which remember was missing two starters and their lead bench player, they lost to Indiana while averaging just zero point eight seven five points per possession or an offensive rating in eighty seven point five. Not very good. And then they played the Orlando Magic, in which they only scored one hundred and seven points. Mm-hmm. So I think from an offensive standpoint, one of the things that I've been kind of looking for Miami is: are we going to get a little bit more explosiveness? Tyler Hero's been great, but this offense really hasn't been consistent through two games now. And yes, it's the Nets, and yes, the Nets have struggled defensively, so maybe this opens up here a little bit. But I do think that we're seeing again here the market playing against the Brooklyn Nets for a second consecutive game. Clearly don't think that much about them. And you might be getting a little line value there with Brooklyn. So I haven't tossed out the Nets quite yet for your for Yeah, I was I was interested in the Heat. I'm not going to play it a plus three and a mm-hmm. half. But, you know, and I'm not going to make too much of the Heat's, what, 42-point win over the Bucks. Right. In the season opener, because that was a Bucks team down, what, three key guys? At yeah, least two Dante DiVincenzo, Drew Holiday, Bobby Portis. Yeah. When Jordan Nawara and Thanasis Antetokounmpo are playing, you know, 15-ish minutes plus, it's, it's a pretty good spot. And think about the – like, I know a lot of people like to use this. Think about what the Heat were going through from a narrative standpoint. The team that had ousted them, right, consecutive times in the postseason – or, excuse me, the team that blew them out uh, last time in the postseason, not consecutive mm-hmm. times because the, the, the Bucks got revenge. Like, th- this was a kind of heated rivalry between the two. Heated. Yeah. yeah. It, it was a pretty big spot for them coming the off of Heat the – We're in the NBA win. Finals. Yeah. In 2020. Uh, I, I think this Heat team has a high upside. They do. I'm sticking with. Yeah. No, about, I, I would agree. I think defensively for sure. How about the Lakers OKC tonight? What's LeBron's status? Uh, he is officially out. Anthony Davis is questionable. Second leg of a back-to-back. Uh, they won in overtime yesterday over the San Antonio Spurs. So we'll see. Uh, AD kind of came up uh, gimpy yesterday. That was a the... tough beat if you had the Spurs or anything less that? than plus four. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then how about that, too, where uh, Russell Westbrook in that game with foul trouble near the end. He actually doesn't play from the 430 mark to the 92nd mark. Yeah. And you're going back and forth. If you're the Spurs, you're thinking you can get one. And ultimately, not the case. And you fall in overtime. I will say this. I mean, the Thunder threw their best punch last night. They were trying to do everything possible to win that game against Golden State and ultimately fall short. They covered as 11-point underdogs, but uh, I don't know if you get the same offensive effort from Oklahoma City. So uh, there is some potential value in the Lakers, but uh, there's better teams and better situations to get involved in from a monetary standpoint. All right, that does it for us. We are all done. If you missed out on any part of this show, vcin.com slash podcast. Remember, it's Wednesday, too. That means Point Spread Weekly is up and live. vcin.com slash subscribe. And I think the subscriber email said like vcin.com slash subscribe. It's all free for like a couple of days. So maybe go check that out. Stormy's coming up next on my guys. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. 
Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.